This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7, and today is my man Kip Adams with me. Kip's had a little bit of time off, a little bit of chance to rest. Uh, he, I'm sure he consumed a, a frothy beverage or two and, and had, a, had a little time to, to himself, but uh, we're glad to have him back and, and glad to be talking college football. And, and, you know, there's some decisions that still have to be made. And uh, about the 2020 season amid the spread of the coronavirus, COVID-19. And we're going to talk about uh, something related to that. And that's the fact that there's a chance the season might be shortened. And we want to talk about some of the things that may be, you know, kind of bum us out a little bit if a season shortened. Obviously, we want a season and that's going to make us feel great about it. But at the same time, there are some things that are going to be missed out on if there's a nine or ten game schedule and and, uh, you know, there, there's some things we kind of want to point out there. And then, folks, second half of the show, Cole Kubelik, SEC Network, sideline reporter, offensive line guy, uh, a lot of video on Twitter breaking down offensive line play, um, very opinionated guy, very smart guy. Uh, he is a uh, – he's one of my favorite people in this business. He and I kind of uh, direct message and, and talk over, over internet, over the uh, old interwebs all the time and uh, I really like picking his brain and we got like I don't know something like 25 30 minutes with him where he uh, talks George offensive line and all that stuff but Kip let's jump into our topic uh, here on the first half of the show and let's say for instance there the Georgia plays an SEC schedule SEC plus one schedule instead of 12 regular season games there's only nine or ten what would be the biggest letdown for you if that happens? I think statistically speaking for Georgia, you know, the first thing that kind of stands out in my mind is just what potentially they have in George Pickens. And I think, you know, most Georgia fans know if you look at the list of thousand yard receivers at Georgia, the list is, you know, one name and that's Terrence Edwards. You know, that's the entire list for Georgia. And it's, Being one of those, you know, those upper echelon top programs as Georgia's been, you know, in our lifetime, for most of our lifetime, it's still kind of, you know, surprising to just see that and know that Terrence, you know, outstanding player at Georgia, most prolific receiver there is is still the only guy on that list. I mean, I'm sure he, as much as he loves being that guy, you know, as a former Georgia player, he would love to, to have some company you know, in the record books. And you look back, I mean, the closest anyone's come is, is you know, Tavares King, who I think had 950 yards, you know, eight years ago. You bring in Todd Monken, you know, you bring in uh, a guy who's got it done at, at, you know, the NFL and college level, a lot of experience, known as a guru. You bring in a, a graduate transfer quarterback and, 
potentially the starter in Jamie Newman, who had two receivers go for over a thousand yards last year. And you just look at, you know, you look at Georgia's roster, Dominic Blaylock's able to come back and, you know, you got one more season of Demetrius Robertson and obviously George Pickens, a 12 game regular season. And then the postseason potentially you, you have the guys there to have more than 1000 yard receiver. I mean, if you're talking about looking ahead before all this happened and, and kind of, the bold prediction. I mean, Georgia had had the pieces in place to potentially have two receivers go for a thousand yards, and so shortening that season would definitely be, you know, take a, a huge hit in, in the chances of that happening. So that's right out the bat. That's kind of the first thing that stands out in my mind. Yeah, I'm going to go also on the individual basis, Kip, and and, this, and Jamie Newman. Right, I'd be bummed out for him because again. I think the overarching theme is 10-game season. We're just glad there's a season right now. But if you want to kind of look at the glass-half-empty approach, which we're kind of doing here, and maybe it's not good podcasting. Who knows? We haven't done it for that long. But on the individual basis, I'd be a little bummed out for Newman because let's say he does win the starting job, and I think he will. Um, you're a senior. You transfer out of Wake Forest somewhere. You, presumably to a place like Georgia because, A, there's an opportunity, but, B, you've got a chance to win a championship. You've got a chance to to go out there and play a, a, a big-time schedule and, and play a lot of games in a place like Sanford Stadium with 93,000 fans. There are there may not be any fans. There may be only, you know, 10 to 20 to 30, 40, somewhere in there if, if we're fortunate. Uh, you know, he's not going to get that. He's not going to get the true Sanford Stadium experience of having – uh, over 90,000 people just going bananas for him, throwing that first touchdown pass or throwing a touchdown pass and watching that place erupt maybe against Tennessee or, or somebody like that. I think that would be a, a little bit of a bummer. And then also um, I, I think uh, I think you start to look at kind of just not having that that full season to put those games on tape, right? Because – you know, you, you start the season maybe a little later and you didn't get spring ball and, and you're looking for an audition for the NFL. You're looking for a way to kind of impress those guys and you're not going to get that. And, and it's just the last hurrah. And so a, a piece of a season eliminates the season for Jamie Newman. If there's not one, maybe he could come back next year and do it. But, but th- this comes down to basically just having a less time to audition, less of the Georgia experience that he probably uh, was sold on in coming to Georgia, and, and, you know, maybe less of an opportunity to kind of make a championship run depending on how the season unfolds uh, with, with the coronavirus and, and, and what ends up ultimately happening with it. So, you know, I, w- I would be kind of bummed out for him personally. Uh, is there anything – I know I've got one. Is there anything more on a macro level, Kip, that you could kind of point to as, as, you know, something that would be a little bit of a letdown? Well, I don't know if it's a letdown, but it definitely would be something that could affect Georgia's season heavily. Depending on how it goes, you, you could be looking at Georgia not having – I don't want to say tune-up, but they don't have games to prepare this new-look offense – for what could potentially be now the, the season opener against Alabama. You know, if you're not playing if you're not playing Virginia, if you're not playing East Tennessee State, if you're opening the season uh, against Alabama, and you know, whether or not they're fans in Tuscaloosa, you're still you're at in Tuscaloosa. If that's the first game, then Georgia's gotta come out of the gate 
you know, in mid-season form to, to win that game, obviously. So, you know, just kind of pulling it back and looking overall as a team, you know, that could have a huge effect on, on, on Georgia's season. And it, it's something that, you know, fans want to see what this offense looks like. But, it, you know, as, as much as that matchup is, is appealing to fans, you know, fans also want to, you know, they want to win the game. And I don't know if that gives Georgia the best – chances of, of coming out with a victory just with so many new faces every rep it matters right now uh you know for whoever wins the quarterback job whether it's JT Daniels or Jamie Newman and, and just getting the you know these guys you know to line up correctly and, and and be ready to go out there and perform at a high level you know every practice matters every rep matters and definitely having those two weeks to prepare for those teams, but also just to get in-game reps is invaluable to this team. And I think, uh, you know, Georgia wants to, you know, they, they, they want to win in Atlanta, whether it's Alabama, whatever team comes out of the West, but you know, you definitely want to come out of Tuscaloosa with, with another conference win. And if it's a conference only schedule, you know, obviously every, every game matters. That's a new, new wrinkle as well. And, I mean, that game against the Crimson Tide is, is definitely looming as, as Georgia's biggest test of the regular season. If it's the first game, you know, that, that's, a, that's a uphill battle for, for everyone on that offense to, to be ready to come out there and perform against, you know, still one of the most talented rosters in the country. That, that's, that's a great one, Kip, because the cliche is, and, and it's cliche for a reason, is that teams improve the most from, from week one to week two. And Georgia's week one, maybe Alabama, and they may end up having a bye week, week two, because if I'm not mistaken, it's one of those uh, Louisiana Monroe. It comes week the week after Alabama. Maybe they shove an SEC game in there uh, in that week. But but ultimately, uh, you know, you don't want to – it be it would kind of suck to play Alabama, maybe feel like you didn't play that well, you weren't quite, you know, sharp enough to play that game. Uh, if you're a Georgia fan, it really sucked to lose it and then have a week off. And before you play uh, Vanderbilt, and then you got Auburn coming in there at, at, at October the tenth. So, yeah, that would be you know a, kind of a letdown, I would say, for for a lot of Georgia fans. I'm going to go kind of in the same vein as the tune-up, and I'm not going to go with Louisiana Monroe and and uh, and East Tennessee State losing money, even though that does suck, and you don't want to see those programs. Uh, go without that big, you know, paycheck. You know, go back home with that big paycheck in their pocket that Georgia's paying them to play, but. What about that number one class Georgia signed and the fact that not all of those guys are going to be SEC game contributors? You know, you've got some guys on the team, whether you're, you know, talking about a, a, a guy like maybe Austin Blasky, who, who is a promising offensive lineman and, and uh, may would have gotten his feet wet against East Tennessee or Louisiana Monroe, or whether you're talking about maybe like a, a, a Jalen Kimber or a Major Burns that would have got a chance to play some cornerback and safety in those games. Georgia signed the number one class with those guys in it, and they're probably going to have a much decreased opportunity to get into ball games if this thing is knocked down to nine or ten games. I mean that. I mean, there's actually there's no probably to it. If if there are no uh, FBS or F, I'm sorry, if there are no uh, Group of Five or FBS FCS programs, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll learn to talk in a second. But if there were no none of those on the schedule, then the opportunity to empty the bench is just not going to be there, and you're going to get to see less and less. Of, of that 2020 class that Georgia signed. And that's just not where you want to be. It's just not something you're, you're really excited about. 
you know, that's that's one thing you want to you want to get a look at those guys. You want to see like last year, Kenny McIntosh ripping off. I think it was a 62-yard run against Arkansas State, and and you want to see those guys get a chance to make plays and show what they can do and something to be excited about in the future. And that opportunity is probably going to be lost if uh, if the schedule is shortened. And I and I think that's something that would kind of uh, suck a little bit too. Kip, let's jump into a break real quick. And on the other side, we're going to go straight to Cole Kubelik. Uh, listen, guys, I had a lot of fun talking to Cole and listening to Cole talk about Georgia's offensive line, the differences between Matt Luke and Sam Pittman. Uh, we cover a lot of ground, and, and he's got a lot of information about Georgia's offensive line and who can do what and his expectations for that group. Uh, before we go, though, I do want to say this, before we jump into that interview in, in the second half of the show, folks, Really appreciate you guys being here for us on this podcast and, and kind of supporting us and listening and all that stuff. Uh, if you get an opportunity, subscribe, rate, review, give us an opportunity. To, I mean, give us a chance to kind of read what you have to say, how we can improve the show, how we can better the show. We want your feedback, so give us a review and, uh, and, and write something out there for us. You know, critique us a little bit. Let us know where we can get better, and uh, we'll definitely read those and, and get into it. But uh, here we go, second half of the show. We're going to jump straight into Cole Kubelik. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Joining us on the Junkyard Dogcast is Cole Kubelik from uh, uh, SEC Network, sideline reporter, Twitter extraordinaire. Uh, this, guy's, this guy does a little bit of everything, man. You might hear him on SiriusXM Radio filling in for somebody. You'll definitely hear him out of uh, WJOX out of, uh, out of Birmingham, Alabama. He's on there. So this guy does a little bit of it all and does a really good job. He's, he's an offensive line guy and, and kind of uh, I, I really enjoy – uh, look, you know, looking at and listening to everything he's got to say about the offensive line. And uh, Cole, really appreciate you joining us, man. Hey, I appreciate you having me, Jake. Obviously, um, appreciate the kind words there. Today was not not my day on Twitter or the last two days, but hey, you take some L's on there every now and then, so you just gotta you gotta be ready to roll with it. That's right, man. Absolutely. I think the the main thing, you know, I myself and a lot of the folks over at dogs 24 7 and, and our members and everything i think one of the things that we really appreciate appreciate about you on twitter are those video breakdowns you do during the week and um you know kind of what i guess before we get into kind of the technical aspects of, of georgia and and what's going to you know be a, a new look offensive line in 2020 what kind of gave you the idea to start doing those and and you know kind of giving everybody that look because it is kind of a unique perspective in terms of just college football yeah, I, I think it was really, you know, you, you go back and, and you wanted, I wanted to be in this business for a long time and it took me a while to really get into it. 
And as an offensive lineman, I, I watch the game in a little bit of a different way than a lot of other people do. Not, not everybody, but most people don't watch the O-line, D-line during a play. Most people follow the football. And, or most people just watch the quarterback or the running back or a receiver. And I, that's not what I watch on, on every play. And uh, the, the more I paid attention to it and the more I, I got, the further I got into the media and the more interaction I had with fans, the more I kind of realized, man, it would be cool to kind of educate people on how and why certain things are happening. Um, because some of the misconceptions were frustrating. You know, there would be times that, oh, this offensive line is getting pushed all over the place. Or, oh, this offensive line is just steamrolling people. And it's kind of like, well, I, I mean, they, they kind of are just good at creating space and the tempo helps them out a lot. It's not like they're, they're not pulling people off the ball. Or, you know, hey, when, when your quarterback doesn't pull the trigger or you don't have receivers who can get open, that, that protection breakdown is not always on the O-line. Um, you know, I think – I think the South Carolina game is a good example of that for Georgia last year, other than Javon Kinlaw. Now, you can take him out of the equation because he was an absolute one-man wrecking crew, but there were a lot of other instances where I vividly remember people talking about how bad that group was. When you're, you get to seven, eight seconds in the pocket, and it's like, hey, buddy, that ain't on the O-line. It's just not. So I think just trying to help people understand – things happen maybe a little bit different than a lot of people realize. Or, I mean, how many times you hear people give Ben Cleveland a shout-out or Trey Hill a shout-out or Cade Mays a shout-out? Like, that doesn't really happen a whole lot in real life. And I think I want, I want guys to get credit for things that they're doing. Like, I want people to know who Trey Smith is. Um, you know, I want people to know who Drake Jackson is and, and why they're good players. So – and then I felt like it was something that could that could potentially separate me a little bit. I mean, hell, any of us can go look at a box score and tell you that George Pickens had a good game um, or, or tell you that any quarterback in the league was good or not good or running back was good or not good. So I felt like it was maybe a way to sort of differentiate myself between a lot of other analysts. And uh, I'm just – I'm glad people enjoy them. And that's awesome, man. I, you know, I definitely can see that kind of angle to it all, and, and I do think that there's a lot that gets missed. I mean, you, it's one thing when you see the most fervent fans out there, uh, you know, the people who subscribe to these websites and want to discuss it every day on the message board, and it's another when you read a Facebook comment and, you know, <laughs> well, this happened or that happened. And, and you know, I, listen, I, I get it. I, you know, I, I'm not one of these people that kind of rolls my eyes at it. It's just like, you know, there is, you know, there are different levels of understanding or misunderstanding. It, it, they they kind of coincide there. So that's definitely a good way to kind of inform everybody. Now let's jump into Georgia. And, you know, Georgia loses Sam Pittman to Arkansas offensive line coach. Sam Pittman is probably the most beloved Georgia assistant coach I think I've ever encountered because of his ability to recruit, because he's just a good dude in general, and because he did such a good job um, you know, especially from 2016 to 2017, getting that crew ready. But Matt Luke steps in, and can you just talk to us a little bit about what you know about Matt Luke and and what he'll bring to Georgia as an offensive line coach, what you expect? Yeah, I, I thought this was one of the, the more underrated hires this offseason. And I feel exactly the same way about Sam as you do. I, I think he is consistently in the discussion – as the best offensive line coach in college football. 
Um, some people would say, oh, well, he's getting a bunch of five stars, so how could he not be? Well, he's mostly been responsible for getting a lot of those five stars, so he kind of deserves credit for that part too. Um, you know, neither one of those guys, you know, Sam might be like a, a little bit more hardcore, like a little more in your face, but, you know, neither one of those guys are a, you know, point their finger in your chest, you know, F you coach kind of, you know, dictatorship, my way or the highway. It's, there's a lot of, I think they both take the teaching element a little more serious than they do the intimidation element. And for an offensive line coach, that's a lot of times gets lost and, and maybe a little bit diluted as to what should come first. But the main reason I thought this was a great hire by Kirby Smart is there just there seems like very few head coaches that are willing to go hire guys who have also been head coaches. And, I mean, hell, look at Matt. He, he could be a perfect example for that. Before he was fired, which I did not agree with, because I thought they had things perfectly set up in Oxford, how many people were talking about Oh well, he's the next head coach sitting there as the offense coordinator, or hell, the next, the next, the D coordinator. You go, Coach Mac could be the next head coach, easy. And it's like, yeah, he, but but he helped bring those guys in. And I know it's ultimately not his call because the AD has to sign off on it, and you have to do different things. But I mean, he was okay with it, and he, you know, he made it work when they both got there. But there was constant chatter about one of those two guys could be, maybe should be, would be the next head coach. And I never saw it that way because I had a chance to be around him and the rest of the staff, and I saw how it was working. So I think any time that, that you're a head coach and you can bring a guy in that's done it, especially in the same league, and is basically an SEC lifer, which is what Matt Luke is. I mean, his, his dad and brother played at Ole Miss. He played at Ole Miss. He coached a position. And he's a head coach. I think that shows me that, you're there's a big time lack of insecurity and that that Kirby feels great about his situation and he wants to do whatever he can to better his situation so if there's a head coaching decision or an in-game moment or a schematic situation that they're planning for he can go down the hall and ask God's done it and has been there and been through it and has had to make a similar decision more than likely I also think he brings value because I mean you got to look now like he He's, he's worked under Coach Cut and played under Coach Cut. He's worked under Rich Rod, with Rich Rod, and he's worked under and with Hugh Freeze. Those are all three different but very successful offenses. And I think versatility, if you're a position coach at Georgia this year, might be important because, Jake, you and I can sit here and talk about what we think this offense is going to be, but nobody outside that facility really knows what it's going to be. We just don't know because we haven't seen it. We haven't seen Munkin as a college OC in a while. We haven't seen what the quarterback is going to look like in this particular system. I mean, I've, I went back and I've studied Wake, and, and I've seen what Jamie did in that offense, the, little, the walk the dog, slow developing zone read with some RPO attachments. And, uh, I mean, even some of the reads from a passing perspective were a little bit longer developing, which it, it worked. It was fine. But we don't know if it's going to be that. And we don't know if it's going to look something like what it looked like last year. So I, I think because of some of those unknowns, versatility will be key, and Matt Luke brings that. If it is going to be more RPO-based, I mean, he did that under Hugh. If it's going to be more quarterback run-based, obviously he, he did that with Rich Rod. If it's going to be more pro-style, he did that with Coach Cutcliffe. 
Matt Luke has background in all of that. He knows it all. He's he's coached in it. He schemed it. He's drawn it up, and he's played in it. So I think I just think it was a it was a massive value hire for Kirby Smart that not a lot of people are talking about. Not to mention the guy knows O line play. I mean, whether it be technique, fundamentals, he was coaching O line when he was the head coach at Ole Miss. I mean, he still went down there. It's like Ed O goes down with the D line. I mean, Matt Luke goes and works with the O line. That's what he did when he was a head coach. So I think it was a great hire. Um, you know, is he going to be as gruff and, you know, maybe kind of as gritty as Sam Pittman? Probably not. That's not really his personality. But I, I think there are, you know, there are different ways to skin a cat. And uh, I, I think that, I think based, depending on what the offense looks like, I don't think it really matters as far as Matt's concerned because I think it was a really good hire. And he's got a good talent to work with, which is obviously another big advantage. I think early returns on Matt Luke would, would kind of suggest that from a Georgia fan's perspective because of the way he hit the ground running and recruiting and locked up Tate Rattledge, Broderick Jones, you know, Cedric Van Pran. I mean, they, they've gotten off to a really good start here in his first full recruiting cycle as well on the offensive line. So there's a lot of things to like about Matt Luke. And, and you bring up a good point there that he – not only has he worn the head coach hat and the offensive line coach hat. I mean, listen, we're, we're in the middle of a pandemic here. You know, Kirby gets – you know, Kirby somehow has to deal with this COVID thing. Then Matt Luke kind of steps into that role. Todd Munkin somehow starts to deal with it. Matt Luke probably steps into that role too because of all the experience. So that's a good point there on the number of hats he's worn. Uh, without, you know, it, kind of in layman's terms, without kind of uh, maybe getting everybody spinning in their, in their own brain here, uh, what can Georgia fans kind of expect the difference schematically between Matt Luke and Sam Pittman because I know Sam Pittman said on multiple occasions on the very few occasions he actually got a chance to speak with us but they were multiple that he kind of does things differently than most offensive line coaches whereas maybe Matt Luke a little bit more traditional how, how do you view that it, it's hard to say because we we don't know exactly what the scheme will be um, I think most of what Matt has done recently has been tempo and RPO based. So uh, I think the first thing that you think about from that perspective is finishing. And, you know, Sam's guys were going to finish. They were going to finish plays. They were going to play to the whistle. And they were, they were going to bring some nasty. That's just kind of what they were and what they were about. But with that, I think, comes almost a little bit of inherent hesitancy. And so you have to coach guys – to be to have an understanding that two things could happen on one place, so to speak, where I think Sam was more about let's dominate the individual in front of us. Now, technique, fundamental, footwork, everybody has their different intricacies in which what their aiming points want to be, you know, where you want your hat placement to be, how you want to track on an inside or an outside zone play, what different angles you want to take. Are you taking depth with an outside zone step? Or are you taking more width? with an outside zone step, pass sets, more depth, more width, shorter steps, how are you waiting on your punch, and how your body balance is taught. All those things are going to be very different between individual guys. I, I think Sam has, has kind of done things the way that he has felt most confident in for a long time. But the technique and how it will differ and how you'll see it will depend, honestly, on what the scheme is and, and I guess what the baseline of plays is. So – if you go back the last few years, I mean, that, that Georgia offense was built on inside-outside zone. Well, you got guys firing off the football, if, if that's the case. And not, not as much directly off the ball in outside zone, more so inside zone, but still 
you are you are building things to be able to push guys around. Well, then you can add duo, you can add crunch, you can add counters, you can add traps, a lot of different plays to that to keep defenses off balance. But still, you're an attacking offensive line, and when you when you have that kind of a group, you have a little more weight out on your fingertips when you're in your stance. You might coach your guys to be in a three point stance a little bit more. Um, you, you might have your guys with the understanding of if you miss something at the first level, we're okay with that because we're, we're worried about getting more north and south as opposed to we're worried about helping create space. So it's about, it's about body placement. It's about, it's about keeping guys off of certain lanes as opposed to moving them back out of a lane. So a lot of it will really and truly depend on what this offense is built around. So whatever the two, three run plays pass plays off of that and then attachment off those, like whatever the trunk of the tree is of this offense will probably depend on what might be a little bit different schematically. Um, you know, you, I, I mean, Sam, Sam teaches professional pass sets. I think that's one reason NFL guy, NFL teams love his guys. Well, there's, there's a lot of other guys that I don't want to say that they cheat, but they teach pass sets that make life a little easier on their guys. Well, the problem with that is that ball better be out because it's not very sustainable for a long period of time across the board. So I, I think Matt will probably bring just a little bit more of a spread principle overall, whereas positioning, body placement, and helping create space is more emphasis than, say, movement was for Coach Pittman. Now, again, we could go into the technical aspect of that of, foot placement, hand placement, hat placement, aiming points, angles, depth, width, all of those are going to be dependent on how somebody's lined up, what play you're running, so on and so forth. But to to your average Georgia fan that's just watching a game, do I think that they're going to see three or four games this year and say, man, that looks totally different? I don't, honestly. Understandable for sure. Now let's talk about this year's Georgia offensive line. They lost three, four guys. Uh, you know, three to the draft, one to transfer. Uh, I don't know how much study you've done on it, Cole, but you know, Jamari Sawyer's Sawyer's probably going to be the left tackle. Uh, you know, you've got you know maybe Justin Schaefer who had two starts last year at left guard. Trey Hill's probably going to be in there at center. Ben Cleveland at right guard, and then. Man, it's dealer's choice at right tackle. It's going to be a wide-open job there, maybe a freshman, maybe a second-year guy. Can you just talk about where maybe the strengths are of this Georgia offensive line and, and, and kind of how you think about Jamari Sawyer, what you think about Jamari Sawyer as a tackle? Yeah, and I, and I think, too, what you have is you have the option to bump Jamari down if tackle's not working out. So if you want it, because we've seen him at guard, he was successful at guard. I, I think he, to me – you know, he, he's a guy who probably has a little bit more of a prototypical guard build. Like, he doesn't have Andrew Thomas's length or, you know, the, the kind of tackle length that we've seen at Georgia in the last few last few years. Like, I mean, Isaiah was just a physical freak, so I don't really like comparing anybody to him because he, he looks more like a WWE guy than he does an NFL player. Like, they just – guy doesn't make many humans like that. So, it's not really fair to compare. But he – when you see him, he, he looks more guard-ish to me. So you have that option, and that's, that's good, especially if there's some unknowns about who's going to end up other places. But I think he's athletic enough to play tackle. Uh, I think, for me, tackle comes down to footwork and body balance. 
Now, hands are going to be big. You know, keeping your hips square. That was something that Isaiah really improved on last year. Like two years ago, Isaiah missed on his punch. His hands were too wide. He opened his hips up on his second step, his second kick step all the time, and he just he he wasn't great in pass protection because of that. But when I talked to Sam about it, he told me how much it meant to him and told me that he would come to him and say, help me get better. What do I need to do? Why am I making these mistakes? I mean, that's a sign of a guy that wants to be great other than just let's go to practice, let's get it over with, and then let's, you know, go live our social life. And that, and you really saw it come out. He really improved a lot last year. So um, technically and fundamentally, I, I, think, I think Jamari can do it. I think he's physically capable of it. The strength will be inside, though, because – you trait that you don't get a lot of you don't get a lot of earth movers at center. Um, I mean, I can think back over the last five eight years, and there's probably only you know four or five guys who could legitimately move people at center, like Ryan Kelly at Alabama. He could he could move people at center. Um, when you had what's the kid's name uh, Eric McCoy when he was at A and M, like he could move people when he was playing center. There's not a ton of them. Like Trey can move people at center. He's he's big and strong, and he's not a guy that has to necessarily win with leverage and win with hand placement and win with body control. Like he can just come off the ball and move you. And you know if 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 Ben is back and ready to go, he's a guy that I'm. It, you know it's it's interesting that you would that we would talk about Isaiah and Ben because I think they're they're very different, but they're kind of the same because. You know, Ben's a guy that athletically and from an overall gifts from God standpoint is just different than everybody else. But he hadn't put it together from an offensive lineman's perspective yet. So he's got, he's got a ton of room to grow technically and fundamentally. If he can improve his flexibility and can improve his patience a little bit, I mean, he can be a top five guard in this league. I think he'd be a top ten guard in the nation. Um so I think inside, still, if they need to push people around, I think they're going to have the ability to be able to do that. I, I think that they'll be physical enough to sort of play that kind of a game, be that kind of a group, and then they'll have some versatility as well. But I, I, I think the middle of that group, if you're talking about the strength, obviously not having a ton of guys that have a ton of reps at tackle, it's going to be hard to say that you feel super confident in that, that part of that offensive line. Now, I don't want to keep you too long, so i got one more question for you. And this is kind of about the offense as a whole. Cole, there's a lot of moving parts, man. I mean, you know, you got Todd Munkin coming in here, putting in a, a new offense, and, and already kind of had some sources talk about how the players are excited. They're not overwhelmed, but they know it's a, there's a sophistication to this thing with Todd Munkin that they're going to have to kind of get used to. Uh, you've got, um, you know, new look offensive line, a new offensive line coach. Uh, some new receivers, uh, youngsters, and then you got two new quarterbacks in JT Daniels and and uh, and and uh, Jamie Newman. Cole, what kind of battle is Georgia fighting at this very moment? Because they're going through kind of a walkthrough pre-camp style practice thing right now. What kind of battle are they fighting to 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 make up for lost time with the loss of spring drills and everything being as new as it is? This this little added portion of fall camp I think maybe outside of we'll say Mississippi State just because in Mississippi State like that that, that that playbook under Coach Leach is not necessarily as deep as a lot of others in the league like it's probably one one hundredth of what Jimbo's is but because the positions are different 
where you're breaking the routes off is going to be different, how to create space, motions, alignments, you know, width, where the ball needs to be, the other pass sets are going to be totally different. They need this really bad. And because KJ wasn't there in the summer and they weren't able to all be together. But this this is super, super valuable for Georgia right now because, like you said, that there's a lot of guys on this team that know how to go out there and hit and know how to go out there and, and be physical and push people around and catch the ball and run, all that stuff. But the mental part is what needs the most emphasis right now. And whether it's terminology, whether it's signals, whether it's chemistry, continuity, that all is going to have to grow. And the only way for that to grow is to be on the field doing it together. So I think this, this time is critical for this Georgia offense. Now, even if it doesn't go according to plan and it doesn't just skyrocket out of the gate, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Because I, I, think, I think some of the positives that you look at with this team is, number one, you're going to have the best defense in the league to be able to lean on early, maybe even through the whole thing. There will be no question marks with that. And I think – you look at sort of your building blocks offensively. You, you look at the foundation. So what's, how are you drawing, what are you drawing your blueprint around? Well, you're super talented at tailback. Zamir White was one of my top five breakout players for this year. You know you've got depth at running back as well. You've got an eraser at wide receiver in George Pickens that if everything goes to hell in a hand basket, just throw it to him and pretty good chance something positive is going to happen. And regardless of what people think about Jamie Newman, whether it's you think he's a top 10 pick or you think he's average or you think he's just a pretty good football player in college, whatever, the reality is he's played a lot of football against good competition and he's athletic and he's got talent. So I think the things that you can build around him will give them big advantages. We've got that experience on the offensive line inside that we talked about. And I, to me, the big difference that I see going in There'll be people that'll say that James Coley's terrible and they don't like him and he's no good. But when I w I've actually gone back and taken a look at that offense a lot this offseason. And the more I went back and looked at it, I don't, first off, I don't know how I didn't catch this last year. We all get consumed with different things. But going back and watching it this offseason, I, I came away multiple times thinking, man, they are going out of their way to protect Jake. Like there is, there is almost the feeling that there is a, a mega paranoia about losing Jake Fromm, because Jake Fromm has good enough wheels to build certain things around to let him run with the football at times. I'm not saying it's a it's a Cam Newton Nick Marshall thing where you're giving him 15 20 carries a game design, but he can keep a damn zone read every now and then. You can call a bootleg and tell him to just tuck it and run and pick up the first down. Um, he doesn't require six and seven man protection a lot of the time. Like he has escapability. And I think a lot of that was sort of wiped out, which simplified the offense and made it much easier to defend. And then I think you had some miscommunication between receivers of, you know, the timing on the routes or not running the right routes or the placement on the routes, them and Jake being on the same page that caused a little bit of commotion. And I think a lot of that was because everybody knew what was next in the quarterback room. And that's not a knock. It's just it's it's a it's a fair mindset to say if we lose this guy, we, we might not go to Atlanta and we know we're not going to the playoff. 
And if we've got this defense and we've got these running backs, we've got this receiver, let's just go with what's working now and we'll figure it out. And so, I mean, it, it worked for a while. And then, you know, you ran into a buzzsaw in Atlanta, which I don't think it would have mattered who played that team nor what scheme you had. But I think this year, this is where JT Daniels is critical because I don't think that it's a true quarterback competition. I think Jamie wins it because he's more capable. But you don't have that inherent fear of saying, hey, man, just tuck it and run. Or if it's, if it's third and two and we're not sure about it, just call quarterback counter and keep it and add a blocker and run the ball. Or, you know, we're going we're gonna to call this zone read with an RPO attached, and you can give him some sort of a hand signal that says, just pull it down and run it. Like, I, I don't care if you take a hit. I don't care what it is. So there, the playbook can open up so much more. The defense will have to defend you in such a different way. And if he gets nicked up, he gets nicked up. Now you have a guy who can at least come in and handle it and knows what it's like and has been around it and has the ability to be able to allow you to continue to do a lot of the things that you want to do which is where you really would have been hurt last year because a lot of that stuff would have just you couldn't do a lot of the same stuff. So those are the advantages that I think no matter how it looks or, or what they do or accomplish in practice to a certain scale, it's got a chance to be pretty good. Now, like you mentioned, Jake, the, the unknowns, I mean, who knows? I mean, and that's, it's, it's got to give us all pause. It's got to give us all trepidation because we don't, we just hadn't seen it. It's hard to be super confident in things that you haven't seen. And until I see it, I don't know if I'm going to be a, a true believer that it, it's going to be overly great. And it might be. It has a chance to be. But I just I, I got to see how it's going to operate first. Cole, man, you're the, you're the man, dude. And I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, keep doing what you're doing, and, and we'll keep enjoying it. But uh, thanks so much for joining us here. And uh, we will uh, look forward to maybe talking to you again sometime in the future. I appreciate you having me. All right, guys, that was Cole Kublik from the SEC Network. Like I said, sideline reporter. Uh, I thought it was funny how he pointed out, uh, kind of took some L's on Twitter here lately, but he's really good at it, a lot better than I am, and uh, I know that for sure. But uh, really enjoyed talking with him and hope you guys, you know, really kind of dug into what he had to say about the offensive line. And, and uh, you know, I thought it was really interesting, the differences between Matt Luke and Sam Pittman. And, and he knows both of those guys extremely well, having been a former SEC offensive lineman and so involved with the conference the last few years. Uh, but that's all we've got for today's show, folks. Uh, that's uh, th- that's that's it, and and, and I hope it was uh, I hope it was a lot of fun for you guys to listen to to the breakdowns and and maybe our glass half full stuff. But we did it with uh, with with the right mindset there. I think that that you know obviously a, a season's what we want, but losing some some. Uh, things that we would have gotten with a regular season, I think it was worth pointing out. But we'll be back with you guys next week for this one. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. He's Kip Adams. This is the Junkyard Dogcast, and you guys take it easy. Everyone is talking about if. I'm going to go to Lynn Human. I like it. I love it. It's original and heartfelt. Ta-da! And the must-see comedy of the summer <laughs> that's perfect for the whole family. This is just so exciting. If. Ready PG. Now playing in theaters.